Good evening, everyone. My name is Brian, and today is Thursday, May 4th, 2023, and this is another episode of Lots to Talk About. And tonight, my guest, uh, he showed up in the Liberty Meat chat after hearing Josh, the Renegade Butchers podcast. I think that's how he showed up, at least. But um, being a butcher, he kind of fit right in. Uh, they all have a kind of swagger and a sense of humor that... Um, I get along with obviously and uh, spent four months with Josh down there working uh, in a tiny little box. But as I got to know him, he fit in more than just being a butcher. Um, he showed off some knowledge and a great sense of humor, and he's become a great addition to several of our communities. He recently kicked off a YouTube channel, a TikTok account, a Noster uh, profile, and even uh, is throwing out a podcast. So let's get into how he got to where he is now. And, um, what he's got going on. And I would like to welcome two lots to talk about Kyle Peralt, the backwoods. Oh, we did Twitter. it. You did it right. <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to do it. I was, I, I had to, I was sitting there in the whole intro um, just going, Oh, I got to say it right. I got to say it right. And um, it almost slipped out and I almost skipped it, but I had to go for it. So right. anyway, um, I'm sure a lot of my audio listeners who don't get around to Telegram or anything probably have heard me mention your name. They probably heard it in the morning show um, audience, but uh, introduce yourself. So my name is Kyle Peralt. Um, I am the owner operator of the body shop, uh, custom slaughter and processing in Effingham, New Hampshire. Um, that's northern New Hampshire for those who don't know New Hampshire. You didn't know that one yet? I know. Oh, no, I knew both of those things, but um, <laughs> it's still it funny. Just, like it, the whole thing. Oh, it's like all the crazy. Whole, the whole package, man. Like really everything, everything I find out, everything, uh, everything that comes about, it just it all adds up. It's fantastic. But we could, anyway, we could, uh, we could sit here and do a six hour podcast and like get to like. 20 if you really wanted to um but no so i am a uh, whole animal butcher um we do pork uh so we do cows pigs lambs occasionally um and then during wild game season we do deer i do a decent amount of black bear um i'm hoping we can get some moose in this year because i would love to do that um nice. And you do, you do yeah, goat. I was the stray dog that kind of wandered into this group of like, all right, this seems cool. And do you, uh, do you do you process goats at all? I have. I don't have. love to. No. No. All right. All right. But anyway. Well, yeah, now, you kinda, now I need to know why. <laughs> oh, I was just curious. I was just curious because yeah, yeah. you, said, you said like all the things and goats weren't really there. So I was just curious. No, I do goats. I don't love to. I, I've i talked about this quite a bit on Josh's podcast. I have kind of a hate-hate relationship with lamb and goats. Just something about them. I hate processing them. And is it is it that they're just small to work with and like what you get out of all the work compared to what you get out of like a beef or a, a hog is less? That's part of it. A lot of it 
it actually literally just clicked as soon as I said it. A lot of it is when I worked at the slaughterhouse, every two weeks, we would get in 25 to 30 lambs. That would be the three of us breaking down over the next day and a half, like the three cutters. Yeah. It, for half of that time, the cutter we had working with us, like me and the head guy, was just a dipshit. So <laughs> it would be up to me and the head cutter to get everything done. Uh, and it was just like, ugh. I would do. Yeah, that, that's a grind. Um, I I understand that. There were things, um, there are things about a lot of my recent jobs that were that way. Right. That it wasn't necessarily something I despised, but because I had to do it at such a high frequency at one time or uh, in shitty conditions or something, it was just like, I don't like to do this because I'm always having to do it in the winter. Right. But when I have to do it in the summer, it's not really that bad. No, it's fine. But it's like I would do every week or every two weeks, I would bone out 60 lamb legs. Like I was the leg guy. They would just toss me the legs and say, go to town. And it was just fine. Like I got to the point where I could literally bone everything out, keeping every tendon intact so that the like all the bones would still be connected. So it looked like a marionette. And I would just like put it up on the side of the bench with like its leg up. Like it was nice. sitting there relaxing. Nice. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the nice part about doing your thing, though, is you can say I don't want to do twenty lambs, right? This this Saturday. And, um, and that's the other thing about it is now that I'm on my own, it's not like I hate to say it, it's not profitable. Like it's not, it's almost not worth my time. Right. right. You got to charge more. Yeah, exactly. And it's like charge, charge what you like, would charge what would make it worth it. And there know. you go. <laughs> I know exactly. Million dollars. You want you exactly. want me to do that fucking goat? It's gonna be a million dollars. That's why my uh fee for doing link sausage is three fifty a pound. Cause I'm like, I don't want to do Not, it. Josh I and I had that discussion yeah. many times over over the winter with the different products that he made for the deer yeah. and i was like i was looking at the sheet one day and i was like well why don't you make much of this he goes do you see how much it costs i'm like yeah. i mean prices between minnesota and texas are are way off to begin with and then a lot of this stuff i would just make myself so i had no clue what it what right. it costs there um and he's like yeah that's astronomical because i don't want to do it yeah no that's exactly it. it that is that is the key to being a butcher is you can do it charge really high and it's if they want it they're paying at the ass for it so sorry customers but right, right so have you always wanted to be a butcher did you were you running around shooting shit when you were like four or five years old cutting it up and and worry your parents and or um was this something that uh, you fell into later in life no i mean my mom was worked at a bank and my stepdad owned an auto body shop so like i grew up in that I always just kind of hung out with the redneck kids in high school and it was like, all right, cool. These are my people. Like, this is what's going on. And then I was like on my way to the military. Like I had paperwork already done up for the army that I just needed to sign. And um, I was working at Hannaford as a stock boy. Like I was just stocking shelves and I got employee of the year at whatever location we were at. Right. I was like, Cool. All right. I, I didn't know I was going to have a celebrity on tonight. Right. I got $100 worth of Subway gift cards. 
and a 50 cent pay raise. Come on now. Um, but no, so then all the different departments were like, oh, come work for us, come work for us. And meat department paid the most. And I was like, cool, I'll just make bank the rest of the time I'm in high school. And like, which I was barely in high school. I think I had five classes my entire senior year. <laughs> nice. And two of them were independent studies. Like, yeah, word, word um, study. Right, exactly. Um, but no, so I ended up in the meat department and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, all right. But of course, I was doing just the bitch work, like just labeling and wrapping. Like, that was pretty much. Well, you, you were doing what I did all winter. Exactly. No. We all start that way. All of us. I, I mean, I, I ran the shit out of that vacuum sealer. Like, it was my mission to break oh, yeah. that fucking vacuum sealer, and it didn't happen. No. Yeah, no. It's every butcher really worth their salt started wrapping. Like, they started. Handling the wiener and putting it in the bag. Exactly. Like, that was what they did. Because, and I think we were talking, I forget which group we were talking about it in. I think it was today. Or maybe it was last. No, it was last night on um, Josh's Nostra Nest mm. that those lessons are so important in the rest of this job because this job sucks. Like, legitimately, when you look at it, it really sucks. Like, you are just cold, wet, and like throwing around hundreds of pounds to thousands of pounds of meat a day. Like, it's a nonstop, like, you're going. From the start to finish, or at least you should be, and you start at six. Right. And it's like for a new person to just walk into that is tough. I've seen it, and it goes well maybe one out of ten times. Well, like, and doing the stuff at the beginning too, the packaging. Yeah. What I realized um, as I was watching him work was. So I realized this when he was telling me how to put the put the, the product in the packaging and he right. was explaining it to me and showing me how to orient it in the package. And I was watching him when he was cutting it because I was also observing. I wanted to learn. I wasn't going to be doing it. I wasn't going to be doing any cutting, but I just wanted to learn what it looked like. And I was noticing how he was cutting things so that I could package them the way he told me to package them. Yeah. So yeah. learning what it needs to look like at the end, I can see that being a very valuable lesson to learn when you're processing it. Oh, for sure. Like you can tell someone who hasn't had to like deal with the packing where they've always, cause they're like, especially in like grocery store settings and stuff like that. Like I've seen it where it's like somebody gets promoted from the inside of the store who wasn't exactly in the meat department and just gets a cutting job or a, like an apprenticeship. And it's their assholes. Like we had this one guy that got promoted and every time he would pull out pork loins, he would, cause they come in just a big cryovac tube. Like mm -hmm. they look exactly what you look like and full of blood. And he would poke a hole at the end of it and just ring it. So it would go all over the walls and everything so we would have to clean it up afterwards and it's like dude you haven't been <laughs> in here scrubbing pork blood off the walls because you've been an asshole since 7 a.m like <laughs> well i mean i think that's just him being required to clean the fucking shit up and right. i don't care i'm not gonna do it exactly. that's usually why i end up getting fired <laughs> no exactly but um so from like the grocery store 
I was like, this is actually something I want to get into. Like the manager of the department did, he was like helping someone who had like a wild game shop and they would do beef and pigs and stuff. So like he'd work his full week and then at night go help him. And I was like, I thought it was the coolest thing. And then I was like, I'm 18 years old working in a meat department. And this is the first time I've ever really thought about the fact that like meat comes from animals. Like I knew it did, but it's like, I did never you live really... in town. Yeah. So I grew up in, um, if anyone knows where Lake Winnipesaukee is in New Hampshire, it's a, I know a, an odd amount of people actually do know where Lake Winnipesaukee is. Like, I mean, the if they've heard the name, they'll remember it. Right. Yeah. You can't forget that one, but like grownups, like the Adam Sandler movie was filmed on it. Like a bunch of different uh, okay. movies were filmed on it. Um, but it's a huge tourist town. Like, the population on la on Labor Day weekend goes from like fifteen thousand to like forty. Like mm. as soon as the summer comes, it's like, all right, everybody's here because it's. The I Labor know what Day. you did when you were in high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I live near lakes. Right. <laughs> no, you know exactly what we did. You look for the short termers. But it's such a weird environment to grow up in because it's like. You live in a small town. Like, if you look at everything about it, it's a small town. And then half the year, it's 90 degrees and there's a couple thousand more people. Yeah, hey. see? I told you. <laughs> you know, the weird part is, um, I grew up um, like 35 minutes from where he grew up. That's crazy. <laughs> um but so I got an apprenticeship after that. There was the grocery stores are hard to like really learn anything in besides. I was going to say, like, how much are you actually doing in a grocery yeah. store? Uh, it's got to be a pretty small like, town grocery store to be like bringing in a, in a whole beef and cutting it no, up. And no, no, no. At this point, it's at this point, it's all primals. So like primals are essentially like at a pack house somewhere. They broke down the whole cow and like cryovacked it in just the whole prime. So you get like a whole rib. Or like mm -hmm. a whole shoulder. So most everything is boneless and partially trimmed. So it's you're just cutting steaks. And there are people there that still screw that up. Like <laughs> it's I mean it's the You gotta the, give a shit though. That's the problem. Do. I don't care how easy a fucking job is, you gotta give a shit. I can put food in a goddamn bag at McDonald's. Right. Anybody can. I could train a I could train a monkey to do it. But you got to give a shit even to do the most menial tasks. Right. It doesn't even matter what you're doing. It's like you got to give a shit because it's your job and you're getting paid for it. Like, well, I mean, like even if too, you're not. Like, yeah, even if you're not. like, There's just people that just don't fucking care. No, they don't. It's crazy. <laughs> but, um, so. Sorry. Sorry, no, that you, don't learn much, you don't learn much cutting in the thing. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. It's just. The, it's just cut and wrap. It really is. Um, and then I got an apprenticeship at a small shop about like half hour away from my house. And uh, but it was in like the ghetto, like a guy who was a butcher bought or a butcher back in the day, retired firefighter was like, I'm going to open a butcher shop again. And he opened it up in like the hood. But what? Wait, 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 wait. Well, what? It, where what town is this? Laconia, New Hampshire. How many people live there? 
Oh, I don't even know. It is a super. It's it's well, comparatively, it's a decent sized town. But it's do you not. do you want me to take you to the hood? No, no, I don't. But for New Hampshire, it, again, <laughs> it's mostly just methed out white people. So it's not like okay, okay, but, okay. Yeah. like but next to the trailer court. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, yeah. To put it into perspective, the week I started, they busted the biggest oxycotton like distributor three doors down. Okay, <laughs> so this, this place is near that lake because uh, K Bong says that yeah. Aerosmith hangs out there. Yeah, my ex girlfriend's dad was a state trooper and pulled him over. Oh, okay. It was probably yeah. a lie. It got it got crazy towards the end. I believe he did it, but I don't believe the rest of the story. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he watched too many Super Troopers. Yeah. No, that Steven Tyler in the town that my brother-in-law went to school in, he had like a massive house there. And he would just every now and then like just jump on the UPS truck with his driver for that area and just deliver people's packages. He'd be like, hey, Jerry, can I jump on today? It's like, I guess so, Steven Tyler. <laughs> like. Nice. Yeah, that's that doesn't surprise me. I've. um when you when you work at, in some of the bars I worked in, you you have a lot of interaction. Um, like GameWorks was very good for um, acts that that played the Target Center across the street would rent the bar out after it. Like if they ended their tour in Minneapolis or they were going on break, they would like do a crew night at GameWorks cool. across the street, and they would just close the whole place. It was big enough to accommodate the whole staff for a production like that. And so a lot of times, like Snoop Dogg was in there one night bowling, just chilling, um, like, and all the athletes, but a bunch of people, I got to hang out with Bette Midler one night. That was a trip. Um, she sat at my bar and just got fucking toasted. That's awesome. <laughs> I used to cut all of Triple H's uh, holiday roasts. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Because he has a house right on the lake. So, so yes, I mean it's 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 fun, it's fun, and uh, a lot of people don't realize how down to earth they are. Yeah, they were. He literally came up one Christmas, got two bone in, bone in rib roast, two hams, and a turkey. And um, I hand him everything. He's in all gray sweats with Vibram shoes on that were like covered in paint. I'm like, all right. Nice. Whatever. And it's just nice. Triple H sitting there holding a ham, looking at me, going, How do I cook this? And I'm like, Oh, you're as dumb as everybody else. Holy shit. <laughs> like you don't have somebody to do that for you. Like, yeah, it was literally a moment of pause in me where I'm like, <coughs> I have to tell Triple H how to cook a ham. All right. <laughs> Which in the end went down to the instructions are on the package. Like <laughs> there you go. There you go. So we're getting a, we got an apprenticeship. So, I mean, it was like, you didn't know you wanted to do it. And then as soon as you, you, you hit the knife, you knew what you wanted to do. Absolutely. No, it was as soon as I found out it was a thing, I was like, oh yeah, that's me. That's what I'm doing. No back, did background you, in it whatsoever. Right. Was it, um, did you think about once you started, you knew you wanted to do it. Right. And you were cutting at the grocery store. Did you start poking around and go like, hey, I should probably just figure out how to own my own shit? Or were you expecting to kind of just run the grocery store, go to that's, a butcher shop, somebody else's shop? Or what were your goals? Were they to own your own shit? Or I had so many goals because the entire time I did it, the more you learn about it, 
the more it's like, oh, I could do that doing this? Like, are you serious? Like, because at first it was like, when I was doing more retail, it was like, yeah, that'd be cool. Like to own like a retail store and do this, that, and the other thing. And then I felt like really found out about whole animal butchery. And I was like, oh, no, no, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm getting. So it's like, it changes as it goes on. Because I've been doing it. I've been doing it since I was 18. So yeah, 13 years I've been doing it. And it's like every couple years it changes to what it is until I got to the point where I was like, I want my own custom shop on my property that I can do everything from there. And I run it. I do it all. And like before that, it was like, I just want that for part-time deer season. And every now and then I'll pick something up. And it really wasn't like we always kind of intended on me going full-time here, but it just kind of happened. Like it was all of a sudden like a weekend where we were both like, oh, oh, I guess we have to do this now. Shit. (laughs) There's definitely those moments. Um, Unfortunately, I've had a couple of them that uh, I wasn't ready for. And I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't in the position. I I worked so hard to get the work. And then somebody was about ready to give me the work. It'd be like somebody knocking on your door when you were doing a couple deer and they were like, Hey, um, we're doing a big old uh, hunt at this farm down the road, and I'm gonna need you to do 67 deer this weekend. And oh, you're so like, you mean like every deer season? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But just something. I I went from I was serving legal papers, running my own shit, doing right. uh, like process serving. And, you were, you were uh, Seth Rogen in yeah, I was. Express. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I was doing all of it myself, like all the book work, all the serving, all the stakeout, all the skip tracing, fucking everything. And um, I knew I had my number. It was like 400 papers a week or something was a, right. I could do it. I could do it by myself. I could do everything. And I, I kept hacking at this law firm and I said, hey, 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 hey. And they finally called me and they said, the guy that does our papers is quitting. I need you to start tomorrow and I need you to do 250 papers a day, five days a week. And I need them done that day. And I need the paperwork back by 5 p.m. the next day. And I was like, I can't do that. I would I would love to. I would love to. Can you give me a week? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, this is stupid. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, and that was right at the point I was getting divorced and all this shit. My lawyer looked at me. She goes, is it going to work? And I'm like, I don't know. She goes, shut it down. Just shut it down. We don't need to deal with this. No. Um, no. So, yeah. yeah. That was like my shot, and I couldn't I couldn't go with it. it. But, yeah. I mean, it all worked out. I am where I am now. So, I think I've positioned myself and learned from that to be in a position to seize opportunities like that now. Oh, absolutely. And that's the biggest thing is you learn, like you went through something and you went, I'm not going to do that again. Like huge, like Uh that's a huge thing that a lot of people need of like, I've done plenty of things, even in this business where I'm like, I wish I hadn't done that. Like that was (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Like, so I went, even stuff that works out, like some of it, you're like, (sighs) when I, when me and my, now wife moved in together. I moved in with her and it was like halfway across the state on like the seacoast. 
And I like just walked into a, a shop, basically. Like my manager knew that manager, and it was like, yeah, here you go, Monday through Friday. Well, I'm like, nice. cool, awesome, thanks. That was one of the worst jobs I've ever had. It was <laughs> so crazy, just absolutely insane. But it, but would you have, would you have started your own thing as soon if it didn't suck as bad as it did? That, well, actually, so I went from that's when I was still doing like marinated cuts and everything. Mm -hmm. So we should probably jump back. So I apprenticed for like a year and a half. The guy's business went under. That's pretty much in the ghetto. In the ghetto. Yeah. Surprisingly, when he stopped selling beer and lottery tickets and cigarettes because he couldn't afford it, we stopped making money. So weird. Odd. Um, but from there, I ended up going to. So wait, you you had a, it was a butcher shop that sold alcohol and cigarettes. It was a convenience store that had a meat cooler in it. That's pretty much it. We had like a fresh case, like we would do steaks and stuff like that. Sausages. Uh-huh. That's kind of where I learned how to make sausage, like in the beginning. So like I had a base for it, um, but. Yeah, and then during deer season, we would do deer, and we would do. And this is this is like on the up and up in New Hampshire. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Well, is that is that like an inspected cut room and shit like that, or is that? Yeah, I mean, we were state we were state inspected because we had to just to run like anyway, but it was like essentially in most places, like if you want to cut deer, you can but you just have to deep clean everything. Like, so could you sell wild game? Could you, could no. you sell the, it had to go back to the customer. Yeah. I had to go back to the customer. So yeah. Like at the place I worked at when I moved in with my wife, that was, that was just shady in every mainframe. I won't get into all of it, <laughs> but we wouldn't cut deer, but we would grind sausage. Cause we did like, I probably made, close to 10,000 pounds of sausage working at this place, like link sausage. Cause we had like 14 flavors or whatever. So people would come in with all their like chunked venison and we'd have to grind. But this place was so shady that it's like, I ah, don't clean it. We got to do more shit. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I saw what this meat looked like. I didn't even want to put it in the grinder. I saw some of this shit people dropped off this winter. And I was like, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It is I, insane how people I, think they can drop off deer. That they think it's okay. And then they wonder if you're like, you're like, I can't give that back to you. No. What do you mean? It was good when I dropped it off. No, it wasn't. You're just dumb. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I went from that apprenticeship to working for, it's hard to call it gourmet now. So I call it gourmet in air quotes, butcher shop. We essentially did like, the more expensive steaks like we did marinated steak tips marinated chicken like regular just ribeyes fillets stuff like that um was that was that cuts that were going bad that you marinated because i saw that on like uh this is how it's made or stuff like that we would also do that but it wasn't the main (laughs) source definitely there were a lot of sirloins and ribeyes that got trimmed out i'm not I'm not allowed to. Uh, I well, I can't bring myself to buy the the mixed fruit cups at the grocery store anymore after I watched that uh, documentary. 
Like, that's why they put all this shit that's going to go bad. <laughs> you cut the goddamn pineapples and strawberries up and put them in the fruit cups. Yeah. No, pretty much. That's it. Um, but no, we would do, when I was working at the Meredith store, which is the town I grew up in, we would do like 4th of July weekend. That week, I would cut 4,000 pounds of just steak tips. So to put that in perspective, I've done this math so many times because it's just almost sickening. In each case of flat meat, there are four bags of flat. In each bag of flat, there's between four and five pieces that get cut up. Do you know how many fl- like pieces of flap are on a cow? Um, it depends on how you cut it up. <laughs> two. There are two flaps on a cow. And we would bring in 20 cases, if not more, a week. Just to Crazy. cut up and put in, in bags? Yeah, so we would cut them up. We'd put them in big lugs full of marinade. We had a vacuum sealer or a vacuum tumbler. So it's like a big cylinder that's almost hourglass shaped, but like super long. You put everything in there, like whatever, steak, chicken, turkey. We would throw briskets in there with like brine Mm -hmm. um, to speed that up. But what you would do is you'd pull all the air out of it. So it would open all the meat up, tumble it around in there for 20 minutes, whatever, depending on what you were doing, and then pull it out and everything is like marinated immediately. So we would do that, and uh, that was our bread and butter. But we also, when I started managing the Meredith store, I was like, I want to start making sausage. And they're like, okay, whatever, go for it. So I started making our own sausage. Like, Those I started marinated doing... steaks sound like they'd be good for throwing in a bag and then sous vide. Yeah. No, they're, like if they're already marinated like that. Yeah. Well, it's hard because I know every single one is. 0.33 ounces like that or like three three pounds like they're they look big but it's because they've been tossed around in a vacuum tumbler with a bunch of like marinade for a while so they just spread out mm-hmm. they're not they're like a quarter pound like in fact i got in trouble for cutting them at a third of a pound <laughs> like they're like no it absorbs the marinade it's like yeah man people are paying 12.99 for this shit like, They're paying twelve ninety nine a pound for beef, not twelve ninety nine a pound for beef right. and marinade weight. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so I started like doing more of like, all right, well, I'm gonna do sausage, and then I'm gonna do like florets, like where you would basically butterfly out a pork loin mm-hmm. and stuff it. Like, so at one time I had five different flavors, I think, including beef. So we had like a Florentine, which was provolone and spinach. We had the Italian stallion, which was prosciutto. Uh, I think it was provolone again, asparagus, and like wrapped in bacon. Like so, like I had all of these crazy like pinwheels that started flying off the shelf, and they're like, "Oh, we never thought about that." I was like, "Yeah, no, you didn't." Like. Obviously, he didn't, or he didn't do it right if he did. (laughs) But it was cool because I got to experience that twice because I did it at that location. And then everyone kind of adopted it and they all looked like shit, but whatever, wasn't my shot. (laughs) But 
Um, then when I went to Mr. Steer, which was the one I kind of walked into of just like, cool, here's your job. I did it again because they didn't have anything like that. And I was like, Hey, can I try something? And then all of a sudden it was like our third biggest seller in the whole right. store. And it was like, all right, so I'm not completely wrong. Like this works. <laughs> like, well, I mean, yeah, for sure. Right. Why? I mean, why wouldn't it? Right. I used to make these weird um it was like a um pork pork sausage um what the hell was it it was like a pork sausage encased in ground italian sausage and then it was almost like a scotch egg yeah it was all meat (laughs) yeah no my favorite one we did was called three little pigs so it was a pork loin completely butterflied out um like seasoned paprika salt pepper smoked gouda and then sausage cornbread stuffing. And then you know, I would roll it and then wrap, like do a bacon wrap around oh, that's it. What, that's what else it was. It was bacon. Yeah. But I would do I that. So that you'd end up getting a chop that was this big with a perfect spiral of sausage stuffing wrapped in bacon. Sounds and they phenomenal. flew off the goddamn shelves. And then if you'd only just smoke that. Oh, yeah. Then... No, you could. Yeah. I had a lot of people that did, and it was like that's what I that's what I would do with those those um, yeah it was a it was a pork sausage link wrapped in or uh, enclosed in um, ground hot Italian sausage and yeah. then bacon wrapped around it and yeah. Uh, yeah. then it smoked it and then you'd slice it because it was so damn thick it wasn't like you could put it on a hot dog bun or anything right. by the time you encased it in sausage <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, you just slice it like um, like pan sausage almost. Yeah. No, really there's, so, there's so much stuff you can do. And it's like... Meat oh, sorry, is so fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. Like, it's really super fun. And it's that's why that's why I stayed. Like, there were a lot yeah. of times where I was like, I'm working 70 hours a week. For what? Like, what are we doing here? And Did you get there were a lot of times... Home? Huh? Did you get to bring meat home at least? Yeah, I mean, we got stuff super cheap, and then sometimes cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there is that. I mean, right. that is a perk of the job. I mean, I'm not saying that I would have ever uh, brought gasoline home from you know right. testing stuff, yeah. or you know, yeah. or if you're at the airport and they they have Avgas or something, there's you can't put it back in because it could actually make the airplane fail from right. contamination. So. I don't know. I could never tell you what a lawnmower would run off of Avgas. So fast. Um, but no, as I just progressed with it, I knew at this point I wanted to do whole animal. I didn't know anything past that, but it's like at that point I had already like cut up a couple buddies deer and like struggled through it. But like was beyond excited about the fact that I did one. Like, I was still like, there was a time where I, every deer was free. I would just, every new animal, I would be like, yeah, I'll just do it. Like I did 12, almost 30 pound turkeys for free one time for a neighbor, just because I had never processed turkeys before. And I was out there in the pouring rain with a boiling trash can to try and scald these things. And I wanted to murder everyone. I was like, well, I have experience, like, but yeah. So at that point I was doing that 
and um sorry yeah sorry did the guy did the guy that was um the guy that uh you did the turkeys for did they throw you more work i mean was it was it worth no, it no I mean, no it was a one-off it was me and my wife's neighbor and like she raised these birds in like the smallest enclosure i've ever seen and they were the biggest goddamn turkeys i've ever seen they were massive like it was it took probably 12 hours to do all of them and get yeah, it done. I, had, I had a fun day with turkeys i yeah i don't know it you. was crazy now that i have a setup I look back at that and I'm like, idiot. Like you are so dumb. Like you didn't even try. Like, <laughs> yeah. but again, it's yeah. gain all that. You have to have those like awful hell gigs to go. I'm better than that. <laughs> like I can do well, And you learn, you learn too. Like you said, you struggled for through your first couple deer. Um, I remember processing my first chicken and I remember the last batch we did, we did, 90 in an afternoon Corey and i and that was from that was from um alive to in the freezer yeah no it's crazy it's crazy it's like a it's a muscle it's muscle memory it's a just like anything else just the experience and as you do it you realize where the efficiencies lie like Oh, we have to keep this calder a little hotter because when we dunk the chickens in it, it's just going to cool down anyway. So if we do them fast enough, we know what temperature to keep it at to keep it at the right temperature. Yeah, I I am always the person that knows just enough to be dangerous until I've mastered it. Like, so like, (laughs) I'll go into it going, I know what A is and I know what B is and... I think I saw one or two things in the middle. So I'm going to get those definitely, but everything right. else, we're just going to, we're going to run it. We're going to see what happens and it's works. Well, and, you, and you have the right philosophy to, to take those jobs on for free for a learning experience, because if you miss, um, you know, if you miss C and F and maybe Z and, and, but you get most of it, it works. Yeah. It works. And when you're cutting, when you're cutting, a, when you're cutting meat, um, I've heard you guys talk about it a lot. It doesn't really matter what it looks like unless it's going in the in the display case. Right. Like it, it, it all tastes the same. It does. And it's like, also, I look back on it. It's like, that was so much fun. Like, I yeah. still have a story. One of my meeting one of my buddy's dads. He called me as I was leaving the gym. It was November. So I ran. I drove up to his house. I get out of his trucks. In Chippewas, like those nylon shorts, because I just left the gym, and like a tank top, and it's like 30 degrees. So I'm gutting this thing out in his driveway on the bed of his truck. And his dad comes out and he goes, Oh, nice to meet. Yeah. Like, has he just walked into just me shoulder length in trying to get the esophagus out? And I went, I'd shake your hand, but, and I just wiggled the deer's head. And he just goes, Okay. And he just walked away. <laughs> From the inside, I was just like, "We're all we're all fucked up. We're all just screwed up in the head." Yeah, like, it's part of the yeah. job. That's why we're I. Fucked. I mean, it is. It's part of the job, but I think you have to be that way to go into it. From what I've seen, like, yeah, you, you're not a sane person that goes, "Oh, I want to go." And and it's not even. It's not that you enjoy killing animals. Like that's the <laughs> difference. It's it's um it's you have to have something in you to be able to go back and do it. It's almost like I want every person who would ever say, like, you just like killing animals. 
I would like you to be there for one that I miss. Like the one that like the shot, I want you to be there and see it and how I am after that. I am a wreck. Like I like need to walk away and smoke a cigarette and like contemplate my whole life every single time. It doesn't happen often right now, which is not like I've gotten to a level where it's like, we're good. We're fine. But every time it does happen, I feel like the worst person on the planet. Like, well, that's that's what people got to realize when they get into homesteading, too. If you want to raise animals and you even if you're not going to eat them, um, you got to dispatch them or at least pay something to do it. But you got to almost I I always people are always like, well, you could always get somebody to do it for you. Well, I'll tell you when that animals hurt in the middle of the afternoon or in the evening and there's nobody around. Like, yeah, is it really um, is it really worth it waiting for someone to come and do it for you or can you nut up and take care of your responsibility but every single time a calling day came around and i did i mean i i didn't do any i didn't do anything bigger than turkeys on my farm right other than shooting deer um but every day calling day came around it felt weird and that was good and that was good yeah no you need to hold on to that like i don't have that as much anymore like it's like oh it's monday like Okay. Like, well, like, it's not your I, animal either. It, that's um, it. And that, that helps. I would, and I will say, like, on my pig days, like, on the days that I process my pigs, it, yeah, it's there. Like, you've raised this thing from something that's this big to something that's now 300 pounds. It's going in your freezer. And it's like, it's looking and at you we, like, and we oh, all hey. understand, we, we all understand why the pig was there. We all right. understood why the chicken was there. We all understood why the quail were there. But I'm taking a life. And I'm responsible. And like you said, for sure, when you fuck it up, I was devastated. If I had a rabbit, a rabbit that their head came out of the hopper popper, I would be like, oh, my God. That is. And rabbits are, besides pigs, the worst thing to have to do a second like shot on. That's why I tried the rot like the you had the one that you put the head in and pulled. Right. I made one of my own. Yeah. Yeah. I I switched from that. I did that for like once. And we were doing it with like a rake on the ground where you Uh, put their head down, uh gently put the rake on it and step on it and just pull. Uh I did that once. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I would rather look way worse than do this. (laughs) So I literally cut off an axe axe handle, like one of the tilted ones. Mm -hmm. And I call it Thumper. It's fantastic. You didn't, you didn't like the hopper popper. Did you have it? Did you have it mounted vertical or horizontal? No, I didn't. I didn't like. Well, no. So I actually never got like the popper. I just did it with the rake on the ground. So I never actually oh. did that. And it's like, but the part I didn't like about it was the length of the action of what you're doing. Like for some reason, I like better. And again, I've. I do. I used to do it a lot, so I was pretty good at it. Of taking it, bopping it on the head, and basically separating the skull of the spinal cord. Because at that mm-hmm. point, I just knew where to hit, what to hit, and like you get good at like because I would hold them up and then just kind of like wait for them to relax, and it's just quick done. We're good. Mm. But with the stretch, like stretching the neck, like to basically do the same thing. You have to 
again, I didn't have that system, but the system I was using, like, borderline scarred me about it. I'm like, all right, this is already an adorable little bunny. I don't need to stretch it out like a medieval tool. Like, uh, it's... Yeah. I mean, it worked, it worked for what we were doing. Um, right. Mine worked real, really well. I, I kind of looked at the design that the hopper popper people that sold them for right. a shitload. And I sat in the fab shop at a place I worked and just made There's one out of angle iron and rod and... Yeah. But um, I just made made mine a little little more um, foolproof, but I still yeah. had accidents too. Oh, absolutely, it's awful. But um, yeah. So where did I leave off? I think I left off at. The you were doing stuff. your second. You were doing your second um, second go round with uh, making successful. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I when we bought this property that we're at now i was leaving that place and i was i went to every slaughterhouse in the state of new hampshire and in maine like all the close ones to me because we're like 500 yards from maine like okay <laughs> and uh i went and applied to every single one no one was hiring and i was like all right and only one was like we'll keep we'll keep this though like in case something happens i'm like awesome thank you so I ended up getting a job back at the other shop where I was managing. And I was there for two weeks. And in that two weeks, I had the owner of the store coming in screaming at every single manager and every single meat cutter. He literally dragged everyone from every store to my store and started running up and down the case going, this is how I want the fucking cases to look every single day. What is this? Blah, blah, blah. And then that next day, I get a call from the slaughterhouse and they're like, Hey, we have an opening. Can you start in two weeks? And I was like, yes. And I had to call my manager who was my buddy. Like he hired me back and I told him right away. I'm like, I have applications out everywhere. If I get a slaughterhouse job, I'm taking it. And he's like, as long as I have you for some period of time, please. And uh, what's, the, what's the so I don't really know the the hierarchy of the the butchery uh, world. Yeah. This Is was slaughterhouse like where you want to be. Depends, like depends on what you want to do. I wanted to do whole animal butchery, and that was the spot to do it. And okay. I lucked out so hard because the shop I landed at there, I still consider most of those people family. Like, nice. They were like just a husband at, at this wife. point. Were you already eyeballing doing your own thing? Yeah, at this point, I was like, I want to do a deer shop. That's what I want. So you were you were learning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had, I had I was pretty good at deer at that point, but like, I was getting paid for it. Like it wasn't I wasn't doing it for free anymore. Like I was getting paid to cut up people's animals, and I was like, nice. okay, we're getting there. Like, um, and yeah. So once I got the slaughterhouse job. I worked on the cut floor as like my primary job, but I just showed interest in everything. And like between people get like getting fired or quitting or whatever, I'd have like, I had zero issue running to the pack side because I had done it forever. And, oh, guess what? The guy who makes sausage quit. Well, I can make link sausage. You can? Yeah. Jumped in that. And then I showed interest in the slaughter, like on the slaughter floor of like, literally at lunch i would eat as fast as i could to then go stand at the slaughter floor door and like watch them work and like watch them do everything so finally it was like someone's out sick kyle come work with us today and 
It was amazing. And I'm like, so you, so you did it right. <laughs> yeah, no, I did it the right way. <laughs> but it's again, looking back on all of my previous jobs and experiences at the place that was really going to teach me how to do what I wanted to do. I was able to not move forward, but step back and do what needed to be done to then gain the experiences that I wanted to like working on the slaughter floor. So it, by the, when I left, I was on the slaughter floor, like maybe once a month or so, like, cause they're like, because the other thing is if we didn't have anything to process on Fridays, they were awesome. And they gave us the day off with pay. So there were days where it was like, Hey Kyle, like, I want to bring in some extra beef. Like the boss would say this, I want to bring in some extra beef. Do you mind coming in um, Friday and working the slaughter floor with me? Just me and him. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Of course. Like I will absolutely gain all of this experience I can because this is what I want to do. For sure. For sure. What uh, What's the difference between the slaughter floor and the rest of the shop? Uh, the slaughter floor is, well, it's set up for it. Um, ours was shit i think it was like 20 feet high with like i-beams everywhere with a bunch of dollies that moved around but it was like set up to be sanitary and it also had like a kill box which is like so this is, this is where you're taking the animal down to the primals right. and then the rest of the building no no no, 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 no. Making... So this is this is to in order in order to have something processed at a usda facility it has to walk into that facility so right. basically the customers would drop the animals off the owner would go through, make sure everything looked good. Everything was fine. Um, they'd usually do it the night before. So that way they had time to calm down, like in the pens and stuff. And uh, so then the next day, there is a whole shoot system. And like all the uh, cages are connected together with a main alleyway. So you can push certain ones in that you want. Um, and they go into a headlock. But this headlock was not like a normal like farm headlock. It was also like eight feet long or nine feet long with like a one inch steel uh, piece of metal in front of it that would go up on a winch. So you basically drop the animal, the side of it would go up, animal come out, go hang up on a winch, 15 feet in the air and bleed out essentially like you'd hang it upside down to get as much blood out as you can. Yep. Um, but then, yeah. So that room is just set up to where it's easy access to the corrals. You have it where you're going to kill it. And it's also for like USDA stuff. You can't have anything from the slaughter floor or like anything from the cut room that needs to be there on the slaughter floor. So like if you went back there in onto the slaughter floor with your meat coat on, like you get in trouble. They'd be like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, you can't be in here with that. Cause you're going back into the cold room. So then does the animal get skin there or any process any further there? Yeah. So it gets, uh, skinned out, gutted and split. Okay. Um, and then it goes on to the rail system and the cooler. And I mean, their cooler was, it had to have been 60 by 60, if not bigger with like, connecting rails to where they we usually had anywhere between i don't know i would say 10 to 20 beef hanging at a time and then not including we do like 16 to 20 pigs a week and then like i said every other week 25 to 30 lambs 
So, so you're getting you're getting very good at skinning, eviscerating um, the stuff that isn't necessary finesse work. I mean, it is skinning can be a, it needs to be finesse, but yeah. it's not it's not cutting your fillets up. No. That's where you're going to make your money saving time where you can give that extra time back to the, the precision of the, the end. Right. Well, it's all I mean. I'll argue to say you have to be pretty damn precise when you're doing like some decent sized slaughters and stuff like that. Like depending oh, on, yeah. yeah, no, I, I know what you mean, but I did want to like, just be like, no, 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 no. I'm just getting, saying that once, once you get good at skinning an animal. Yeah. It becomes, I think you can, I think you can do it. It's it. I think there's a margin for error there more right. than. There, there definitely is. No, I do agree with that. Um, but yeah, no. So I was picking up all of this stuff where it's, I always joke that I'm learning everything backwards because <laughs> like I did, like I learned to cut. Well, that's what, that's what I, I was wondering. Like, is that the normal process for a butcher, um, to start in packaging and then go to steaks yeah. and then go to like, um, a, a packaging in a slaughterhouse, then go to the slaughter. It seems like it's kind of backwards. Yeah, no, it kind of is, but well, yeah, I would say again, if you're worth your salt as a butcher, like yeah, you kind of got started that way, or some variation of that. Like, well, I think you have to do it all, but it just seems yeah. like it's a backwards, a backwards way to learn it. You learn like, it all broken. That's apart on purpose. <laughs> that's also on purpose, though, because it's like while you're packing, you're still learning all the cuts. Like if you just didn't know what any of the cuts were and started cutting, you would have no idea what you're doing. It's like you talked about where you watch Josh right. cut the stuff to pack for for you to pack right like right. the only reason he knew how to do that was because he's usually the one doing all the packing and knows exactly yep. how those need to go in there and how they're cut and so why he cut them that way right in order for somebody to be really a determined butcher of like this isn't just my job this is like my trade this is my life this is how i feed my family it helps to learn all that because like, that's where I'm at now. So I left the USDA facility in last April. So I've been out a little over a year on my own, which is insane to say out loud. But <laughs> I, I like to say I'm I'm bullet. I am bullet to freezer. Like I am the one dropping it. I'm the one skinning it. I'm putting it in the cooler and I'm then breaking it down, packing everything, packing and labeling everything myself. And then I load your car. Like, I touch every piece of the job for it. And the only reason I'm able to do that is because I did it. Like I did it in the past. I didn't have to learn it. Did you, do you charge an extreme premium for that? Because that sounds like a service you can just sell to, I mean, I, I, I do everything from pull the trigger to open your, to shut your trunk. Yeah. That's for my 8am commercial. No, um, but no, I mean, I, it depends. I have some people that are like, you are so overpriced. And I'm like, not really. I act, I literally just posted my cut sheets in the telegram group uh, today. Yeah. Like I think uh, so, somebody was looking for them. So I was like, yeah, I'll mm -hmm. toss those in there. that's fine. Yeah. I charge a decent amount, but it's because it's just me doing it. Are you but, uncomfortable with your price? No, then you I'm need to raise it. it, huh? 
You need to raise it then. I know. <laughs> I know. No, we have. Shit that we everybody did. tells me all the time, and I'm like, well, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's so it's again, like I feel comfortable doing everything that needs to be done for the job. And it's, I know that I'm going to do it right. I know it's going to be how the customer wants. So yeah, you're going to pay me this. You're not paying Absolutely. me just for this steak. You're paying me for the 13 years it got to this steak. Like you're paying me because you don't know what the fuck, how to do it yourself. Right. <laughs> Who and gives a shit how I do it? Is If it comes back and it's perfect and you don't know how to do it, then it's whatever it's worth whatever I want to charge for it. Yeah. Like if I did a shit job, I would feel bad about how I, how much people I charge people, but I don't like, I pride myself on it. And if you do, like, and if you do a subpar job, I'm sure you compensate the customer. I or absolutely do or... every time. Like yeah. if I screw something <laughs> probably up, do a fault. probably if do I, a fault if I know if anything. I'm, like, about I'm literally like a toddler. Up. Like I'm a toddler in the way it's like, you know, if they do something bad and they immediately come tell you about it because they don't want you to find out that they did it. Like, it's like, I'll usually call the person the second it happens. And they're like, okay, just make more burger. I'm like, okay. Like it's usually the smallest thing that they would never know ever happened, but I knew it happened. You you would know it happened. I knew it happened. So guess what? That's not the person I am. So here you go. I apologize. So, dude, you, you've had your, your own place open, and it's right there at, at your place. So you're yep. going to work out your door um, yep. for a little over a year now. It's crazy. Congratulations, man. Thank you, sir. That's, yeah, it's uh, fun. That's fantastic. That is that is farther than, what is it, like 70% of businesses make it? So yeah. fucking right on, dude. And then um, on top of that, we also have a we're – start, we're, we've started the farm, but we're getting there. It's – I mean, yeah. the farm, yeah. it'll come. I mean, you it'll have come. you have so many hours in a day and yes. and you do a right. job that is very physically intensive and mentally intensive. And um, yeah, the farm will come, man. Yeah, we're getting there. So you do, you came around, you, you, did you have any aspirations of doing YouTube and uh, and a podcast and all this shit until you met the, that crazy son of a bitch with the long beard? I had I had always wanted to do a YouTube channel because I live off YouTube. Like that's ninety percent of what I watch. Like I don't I'll randomly put on Netflix if there's something on there I want, but it's usually YouTube, and my wife hates it. Um, but and especially when I was learning, like when I was picking everything up, that was the biggest thing for me was going on YouTube. All right, what are we doing? What's this? What's going on? And like. I got to the point where it would be like, well, this guy sucks at this, but I see what he did wrong. So I'm going to do it that way. But I never would have known to do it that way if I didn't see somebody do it wrong on YouTube. Right. And I was always like, I think I could do this. But I thought it was so insanely hard to do that I was like, I'm not. I'm not even going to try. Like, I, I've got so it's much. It's super other hard, man. It's really yeah. hard. <laughs> So then, yeah, no, I started hanging out in the Telegram group and talk with all you guys and then ended up started going on Josh's show and then continued to go on Josh's show and then became the easy button to Josh's show <laughs> and was like, I think I can do this. 
And yeah. Josh was the one that like really finally gave the final push of like, just film something, fucking put it out. I was like, okay. And then and your, your um, shit's good, man. That's that's the thing. You were you were super worried and all this shit, and then you put your first video up, and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, <laughs> all I, right. <laughs> I I don't know if I fully grasp that I'm actually like good at it or like put out good content because it's like again watching myself, I'm like, all right, like it is what it is, but um. K-Box wondering who you who you watch on YouTube as a butcher. Uh, it's hard because it's all obscure, like, couple hundred viewer. I don't remember them off the top of my head. I just have them subscribed. I have them saved. You saw them do but something it, and you're like, I just, yeah, yeah that's my, my list. That's, that's what, that's honestly the niche, like, the niche I'm trying to get into is the people. I've, like, tried to explain this to my wife, the science of YouTube of where it's like, you're not always going to find exactly what you need on these big review sites or whatever. And there's also the people that literally filmed something this close to the screen, didn't edit anything. And it's like, I don't think you should have a phone. Like there is such a vast area between that. And every now and then you'll find a video that you just randomly clicked on of like, all right. And it literally changes everything of how you thought about like how to do something. And I was like, Oh, but it's like, that's honestly kind of the niche I'm trying to get into of like, listen, I know I'm probably not going to get huge because I want to put up content. I want to put up the things that people want to see or like people like me, people who are interested in this that wanted to know how to do it but YouTube's doesn't like scary things. So it was like, we'll take that's that. All right. That's all right. There's like this new thing that's coming out um, that is decentralized and nobody really gives. I know, right? It's crazy. Nobody, it, it'll be like a place where maybe you can post your videos and, and people it, watch. It might be a place. It might be a place where I'm already posting my videos. <laughs> nice. I've had, a, I've had a lot of awesome interactions on Noster. Like, yeah. I've had a lot of really cool ones of like even people local who it's like, I think the first day I was on Noster, I had two people reach out of like, when can we like, I want to buy a cow. And I'm like, what? you're in, you're in New oh. Hampshire. So that's what free state project country. Yeah, free state projects. Yeah. That doesn't so surprise me that there's a bunch of people on Noster. No, as, soon, as soon as, as soon as I did that math, I was like, Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. We tried to yeah. seed like two years ago. Like, yes, of course. Everyone's on here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you hang out with those? You uh, you interact with those guys at all? Um, I did a little bit. I started talking to a handful of them, like right around 2020, obviously. Of Weird. just like, yeah, of like, okay. And I liked a lot of it. I didn't like the person who was running, like for Congress. Like, I didn't love him. Like. I, I consider myself a libertarian, like more probably on the like the anarchy side, but like definitely libertarian. And I was like, this guy isn't like, all right, <laughs> you're not you're you're not doing the right thing. You don't look like you're doing the right thing. <laughs> like, 
and that's uh, where it all happens. That's that's how it all no, happens. Exactly. That's how you that's how you end up being a full blown anarchist from a libertarian is you see the bullshit happen so many times yeah. in a row, and then you read something like Konkin and he says, "Well, you can't really be anti-state." And use the state to be anti-state, and then you're like, "Well, this is fucking stupid." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, okay, all right. I just want to live in the woods and have people leave me alone. That's it. That's all I want, dude. I hear you. I want to have the freedom to <laughs> waste someone away who comes into my house. <laughs> like, I hear you. I hear you for sure. Um, and so you're doing YouTube, yeah, you TikTok. You got a Noster. Um, and a podcast. So is the podcast um, and the YouTube videos, are they one in the same? You're doing, uh, you're doing uh, focus of. on one and doing something else or what do you got going on? So the podcast is called Meet the Critters, M-E-A-T. Um, you fucking butchers and your puns. We have, to, we have to put a meat pun everywhere we can. Um, but it's called Meet the Critters. Basically every week uh, we're going to go through uh cows pigs poultry um sheep like goats kind of that stuff and like exotic livestock or exotic livestock so if people raise it to like eat i'm going to talk about it so we're just going to rotate do one breed of one of those categories every week we're doing nice. uh broad-breasted white turkeys this week um nice because we're nice. in poultry yeah you got it like I'm starting off with all the really big ones. And then once I get comfortable with it all, we'll start getting into like the more complicated ones and like start really getting into it. But I did expand it. The first episode was a little rough. Um, second one was better, <laughs> but it's also going to be like an overview of everything that's happening here. Like, cause there's, there's never not something happening between the butcher shop, between the farm, between all of it. It's, there's something constantly going on and it's, Does, I, I have to stop myself from like, stop myself from filming stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm not, I, I can't, I need to get shit done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Doing anything um, while documenting it is uh, seven times longer. It's so much uh, harder. You, you, you get some assists from, from your beautiful bride. I also do that. And um, you notice when, someone else films it and there's a two person yeah. team. It doesn't take quite as much longer, but no. it still takes longer. Even when no. somebody else is just filming it. No, it's yeah, it's, it's interesting. And then you had pigs and it's like, Oh, this is so much more fun. Like <laughs> trying to figure it uh, all out. Does the podcast feed go through the YouTube channel? Uh, yes. Will they be able so to find those? I'm, I, I'm I have your YouTube channel. Yeah. Gotcha. I have your YouTube channel. And all the other ones there, but I didn't have a link for podcasts. So I was just checking the, the video notes and yeah. uh, the YouTube channels there. So they'll be able to slide in through there. Um, yep. So we're on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, and Apple. And it's Backwoods Butcher 603 everywhere? Uh, yes. Is that your so area that's code? Where I, that's where I'm at on everything. Um, we don't have a Twitter. Um, we have Instagram, TikTok, Noster, like I said, YouTube. Is that your area code? Yeah. <laughs> did Google did Google suggest that? No, that was me. Oh wow, you're a smart uh, guy. I, I do what I can. Did, <laughs> I told you my, yesterday. In my, did you see my brining video that I did? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was doing the gallon of water, I was like, it takes 16 cups to get a gallon of water. And if you think I was smart enough to figure that out, I Googled it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I told you, I told you yesterday that you were going to be the smartest guy on the screen. Yeah. I mean, you you picked your area code for your screen name. It doesn't get any better than that until you move. Well, that's the craziest thing on everything. Is it's the Body Shop six hundred three? Like on all of my stuff, I have a Tennessee area code on my on my cell phone. <laughs> so I don't even have the same area code for nice. my, my my actual. You, you got to get you got to get that like Google Fi number just for the business and yeah. uh, and have it have it with the right area code, but. Yeah. Hey man, I was um I was thinking about a nest. I am blazing hot right now because uh, for some reason the camper it's getting kind of all uh, sticky icky in the here, and uh, I think I'm gonna have to go outside and cool off. So um, if you want to wrap up, I'm good with that, and I think I'm gonna yeah. skip the nest this week for uh, for after. But I'll uh, I'll give you a minute to uh, if you got anything you want to tell anybody about uh, about your stuff or any uh, words of wisdom or anything. Uh, we can wrap up here and uh, and we can both go on our way. Sounds good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Follow me on Instagram, TikTok, um, Noster at everything's at um, Backwoods Butcher 603, like we just said. Um, YouTube as well. The YouTube is where I'm hoping that we're going to do some cool stuff. Like I really do. I've got a lot of projects that I want to get done that I haven't seen a lot of videos of. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. Let's figure it out. And we got piglets coming in August. Like I, I think I'm doing a beef video this week of our cows and kind of our setup. Then it's once the summer kicks off, we'll definitely be doing a lot more because right now everything is just a straight mud pit. We've gotten rain the past week and a half and it is aggressive. (laughs) What is going on here? Um, But we got a lot of fencing videos that are coming up. um, And we just got a slaughter floor put in on our shop. So the roof is going over it this week or probably next week. We're getting the roof over it. And I'm going to try and set that up to where I can really just kind of pop and play the camera around where I can just kind of pop it somewhere pretty easily to get better shots of stuff. Nice. Um, that's yeah. kind of that's why I've been holding off on doing a beef slaughter. Cause I kind of want to do that the right way. I mean, I could probably just put up another one, but there's a part of me that's like, I kind of want to do this the right way and have better camera angles where I can actually. I mean, why don't, why don't you do, do one and then yeah. get your camera set up and do another one and then yeah. get a GoPro and some extra cameras and another guy when you're blowing up on YouTube and you can do a right. really good right. one. Yeah. Cause that's essentially what I did for my pig. Like my pig slaughter is I've, it was a lot of time-lapse and I, I will tell you right up front, a lot of my videos are time-lapse just because of how long everything takes. Um, I mean, I've gotten yeah. fairly good at it. <laughs> I've gotten fairly good at it of splitting it up and stuff, but we're getting there. Again, I've only had it for like three weeks, I think, which it seems this is the longest three weeks. You'll, you'll, ever, uh, you'll get there. It. You'll get there. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> just keep putting but, content up. You're doing you're doing just fine. Yeah. No, I've been super happy with everyone. Like, I feel like we're go, we're going up pretty quick. I think we're last I looked, we're at 142 subscribers. So for three nice. weeks, I'm happy with that. Like absolutely. 
Absolutely. Took but, me uh, took me seven years to get to a thousand, and it took me yeah. uh, it took me two months to get to fifteen hundred. So, <laughs> but no, everyone who's listening, go to my YouTube, like, yeah. and subscribe, please. Yeah, for sure, for sure. If you're listening to the show and you, I mean, a lot, I know a lot of you do homesteading, you do animals. Follow Kyle, follow him, and uh, and watch his videos. He's very knowledgeable at what he does. He's getting better at taking videos. He says he's not good at it, or it really sucks. But I I looked at his watch, his first video, and went, man, I wish my first video looked like that. Um, <laughs> so you're We're on the right track. It's getting better. <laughs> you're well on your way. Um, hey man, I appreciate you coming on. I, uh, I usually Absolutely. don't do live ones on Thursdays. Um, but I got in a spot where I needed somebody and you were more than willing to come on. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I encourage everybody to come and uh, check your stuff out, but, uh, I'm going to drop you off here and, uh, and we'll close it up and hang out for a second and I'll talk to you in a minute. Sounds good. All right, man. Thank you. Have a good one guys. All right, that was Kyle, the Backwoods Butcher. Be sure to check the video notes and uh, and all the information and go click on his stuff and follow along. Uh, follow along on the journey. You're in on the ground floor. How, uh, how nice is it going to be when he blows up? You can say, man, I was in the first 150 subscribers to this guy's channel. And uh, yeah, maybe he'll remember the little people back when he is uh, when he's blowing up. So anyway, I appreciate Kyle coming on and uh, be, yeah, like I said, be sure to check out his stuff. Like him, subscribe him, like this video, subscribe to the channel, uh, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're hearing this. I appreciate you listening. This has been another episode of Lost to Talk About. We'll talk to you next time.